Hello, everyone, and welcome to the uh, first snow of the season edition of the Monday Check-In. My name is Damon Jensen-Heitman, one of the pastors at First Presbyterian Church, joined by... Greg Allen Pickett, the other pastor at First Presbyterian Church. This will be forever recorded in posterity's sake, so everyone will know that in 2021, the first snow of the season was on the same day that we recorded this podcast, November 1st, 2021, which is later than it was, I can't remember last year. I know one year we definitely had snow on Halloween. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It can start snowing in September uh, for all I care. For all you care. Mm-hmm. I love it. <laughs> Did you have a lot so, of trick-or-treaters by your house last night? I wasn't really home last night. Oh, well, that's convenient. Uh, so I'm going to say no. Um, I guess the next question is, did you win trivia last night? Uh, we weren't at trivia last night. I was oh. at the Hastings Symphony Orchestra concert um, until about five, uh, which was lovely, by the way. And... Uh, then we went over, they had a, a guest musician in, and so we went over to, to Byron and Deb's uh, to have dinner. So they had, uh, I don't know, maybe six or seven trick-or-treaters stop by. You know what I didn't realize is that the Hastings Symphony Orchestra fills its ranks with some of the best and brightest high school uh, musicians. Yeah. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you can play, you can play. Yeah, my uh, my neighbor is a junior in high school at St. Cecilia's, and she is in the second violin section of the Hastings Symphony Orchestra, which I did not realize. And I think that's pretty neat. Yeah, so uh, the concert, next concert's December 12th for anybody. <laughs> Are uh, you using our listening? podcast to uh, promote Hastings Symphony Orchestra? Would you not call I, that a conflict of interest, being that you're on the board of the orchestra and... Why is that a conflict? It's just a congruence of events, not a conflict of interest. Also, you brought it up. You asked me what I did yesterday. We're going to rename conflict of interest statements, congruence of events statements, and that's going to confuse everybody. <laughs> These things aren't in opposite. Like, I'm getting no benefit <laughs> from I don't get like a kickback of the ticket sales or something. Damon, did you fill out your congruence of events form this year? For the- <laughs> <laughs> Some things, sometimes things stack up, you know? I'm not sure why I find this so funny, except that I did just fill out a conflict of interest form for another board that I serve on, which is probably why it's making me chuckle so much. <laughs> I'm going to propose they start calling a congruence of events form not a conflict of interest for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, should we There's do something? Yeah. of events happening today, isn't there? It's the Monday check-in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, we, should do, we should do a thing. Uh, yeah, let's, let's. Okay. Do I need to explain what this is? I see we have 44 YouTube subscribers now. Oh, we're up one. Yeah. I think... Uh, there's always hope that we have new people. That's why we always explain what we're doing in worship every Sunday, right? I suppose, yeah. So let us know what this is, Damon. Uh, so what we're going to do is uh, we're, we're checking in uh, in regards to the 
congruence of events that we'll be facing during the week ahead. And uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to take a little peek at the scripture that we're going to read and use for the upcoming uh, Sunday worship service. And we'll have a little bit of a kind of a mini Bible study conversation, talk about, you know, some of the themes that we see. Uh, it's kind of a first, first look, I suppose, uh, at the scripture. It's a first pass, a first reading. Uh, so, uh, you know, starting, starting to get the gears turning and working on it a little bit. And uh, then after that, we uh, switch gears, uh, evidently enough, coincidentally enough, to talk a little bit about life at church, uh, what's going on at, uh, at First Pres Hastings, Nebraska. So, and I think maybe it's my turn to do the opening prayer. Indeed. Okay, let's, let's pray. Loving and gracious God, thank you for the gift of your presence. Uh, thank you for, I like snow. And so I thank you for the gift of snow. I thank you for the way that it slows everybody down, uh, makes everybody uh, just go take a little bit extra bit of time uh, for the way that it calls us to look out windows and have wistful memories of things while we drink warm beverages uh, and just have a little bit of a moment of peace and quiet. Thank you for the opportunity to gather in this way to consider your word and what it might mean for our lives. In your loving and holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. So this Sunday, uh, we, have, uh, we have two scripture readings that we're going to take a look at this morning. And in church on Sunday, we are going to be honoring All Saints Day, uh, which is actually today, I believe. Um, we're going to honor it in worship on the 7th of November this year. So, excuse me. So we have our first scripture reading. It comes from the 25th chapter of the book of Isaiah, verses 6 through 9. And it reads something like this. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wines, of rich food filled with marrow, of well-aged wines strained clear. And he will destroy on this mountain the shroud that is cast over all peoples, the sheet that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. Then the Lord God will wipe away the tears from all faces, and the disgrace of his people he will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, Lo, this is our God. We have waited for him so that he might save us. This is the Lord for whom we have waited. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. And that's where it ends. Well, that's where we cut it off, I suppose. Or the revised common lectionary cut it off. I don't know. You'll talk about that. Uh, and then we have Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 6. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. 
He will dwell with them as their God. They will be his peoples and God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. Then he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water as a gift from the spring of the water of life. And that's where that ends as well. I read the extra half of verse six. Uh, it's not recommended by the Revised Common Lectionary. They wanted me to stop at 6a. Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and end? I assume. But to the thirsty, I will give water as a gift from the spring of the water of life. Is I think that fits. It's not a, it's out of... Whereas if you had kept ready, reading the Isaiah passage, it would have gotten really dark really quickly. <laughs> um, Isaiah 25, 10 uh, shifts from this celebratory feast into um, some revenge and some opponents being vanquished, if you will. Um, but the, the water in the spring of life seems totally consistent with the rest of 21, one through six. So yeah, I, I don't know. So I, I feel that they sometimes draw these, you know, a and B distinctions relatively arbitrarily. And that's an important thing for our listeners to take note of that we take note of as well is that the numbering in the Bible was added later. It was not <laughs> written in the chapters and verses that we know and love. Uh, it was written in narrative format or letter format. And then uh, for the sake of being able to study it, it was put into chapters and verses. But there is an arbitrariness to which some of these chapters and verses are applied. Yeah, they wrote, you know, in the way that, uh, you know, people write. <laughs> like, you mean to tell me you don't divide your writing up into chapters and verses as you're writing? Not, no. I mean, we Especially, do that a little bit with punctuation and like line breaks and paragraph breaks, but well, we sure, don't but, we don't put in the numbers. Yeah, but I mean, they did that too. Right? I'm not positive that paragraphs were a thing in ancient biblical greek writing they must have had something though they had punctuation in ancient biblical greek uh the word order is you know this is all kinds of weird and so there's always a bit of sort of putting together a puzzle whenever you're reading a text in the original greek like the order in which they use their nouns and adjectives and adverbs and all that stuff is always different so you're never quite sure which word if it's an adjective, is that applying to this noun or that noun? If it's an adverb, is it modifying this verb or that verb? Um, it's always a little bit of a mystery. To us, but people must have known. Right? I, right. You wouldn't have us, you wouldn't have a system of communication that people didn't understand. Yeah, I, right. I mean, to the Spoken word, it must have been totally understandable. Yeah. For, for our Anglo-Saxon-based brains who are 
English speakers, maybe, I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's a tough one. Yeah. Well, sometimes you run into some of that just in, I mean, contemporary foreign languages, right? They're contemporary languages other than English. They're not necessarily foreign languages, but um, that just, just the, like the, the, the word order is, tends to be different. Mm-hmm than how we tend to stack things. Uh, and so it, it sounds strange to our ears, but um, very little of this is relevant to these passages of scripture. Could it be that we're trying to avoid talking about these passages of scripture? I don't know. I'm not preaching on Sunday. So. <laughs> <laughs> but you always give me a pithy quote, which I write down and end up putting into my sermon. At least I have for the last few weeks. Yeah. Okay. Let's see what we can get. So you've got Isaiah here, Isaiah 25. This has to do, we've been spending a lot of time uh, in the last few weeks uh, making connections to the exile. Yes, and that's this is the same group of people being talked to, right? Mm-hmm. These are, um, yeah, these are likely, this is from 1st Isaiah, the first uh, 39 chapters of Isaiah. The Bible doesn't divide it into 1st and 2nd Isaiah like it does with some of the uh, letters in the New Testament. But yeah, these uh, are likely written uh, about the folks um, after the fall of Jerusalem living in exile in Babylon. So the same folks that Jeremiah was uh, whining to uh, and then writing to for the Future of Hope sermon series we just did uh, are the same folks that Isaiah is writing to here. So yeah, so, yeah. this is Babylonian exile. Those who may not know, I can't believe that people don't know this, but uh, I think 587, I think, BCE, uh, King of Babylon comes in, destroys uh, what is left of uh, the nation of Israel, including Jerusalem and the temple. Um, and as it's an atrocity, is, um, is what it is. There, uh, there's death and destruction everywhere uh, when they come through. And uh, round up essentially kind of the most likely kind of the elites, um, the educated, the folks who could read, folks who could write, uh, and take them in into the Babylonian capital, um, because that's a really good way to uh, to keep a population under control, essentially. So, um, and this uh, seems to be anticipating. Uh, there's this, this hope for the end of exile uh, and this, res- this great restorative work of God and what it might look like when there is an end uh, to the suffering and to the pain that they've known. Yes, but it rises to a new level where it starts using this universal language. So it goes beyond just being about the experience of the Israelites in Babylonian exile and speaks more broadly of the work that God is doing um, in the world. And so that's, that's the, the interesting thing. Scholars talk about this being um, what they call proto-apocalyptic. It's this genre of literature that speaks of end times um, or proto-almost end times. And so that's probably why it was selected by the uh, lectionary committee for All Saints Day, thinking about this, what does the end of times look like? Uh, not in a scary way but in a way that is frankly full of hope 
um, for those who we've lost in the past year and for our own future as Christians. And so there's this, what I perceive to be very beautiful and hopeful language in this Isaiah passage. One of the interesting things uh, that I picked out was uh, this description of a rich feast. Most descriptions of rich feasts in the Old Testament are criticisms. They're critical of people eating rich feasts while the poor are suffering. Most of the prophets, when they describe, when there are detailed descriptions of food, it's usually the prophets criticizing folks for um, this. And so this is an interesting shift that you get where you have a different kind of feast described, one that is set by the Lord. Uh, and it's one, um, and this is where that language rises to the level of universal. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples this feast of rich food. He will destroy on this mountain the shroud of death that is cast over all peoples, the sheet that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. And so there's a universality to this, which is a new thing um, in the book of Isaiah and a newer thing for these prophets and uh, speaks of boundless hope, quite frankly. Yeah, and it's, it's a vision of hope for a rich feast, of rich food and well-aged wines um, for people who have not um, had access to those sorts of things, right, um, for generations. And um, it's, I had never really thought about that, <clears throat> the rich feast portion of it, um, and talking about the the criticism of that that sometimes shows up in the biblical witness, it made me think of, I think it's Samuel's sons um, who they get, they get fat off of um, like eating the sacrifices that people <laughs> make. Um, and that's not, that's not approved of. <laughs> um, it also made me think of um, the, like the flip side of it though. Have you ever seen Babette's Feast? It's a movie. Uh, I don't know uh, when or where it's set, um, but it it's feels Eastern European to me. Am I wrong? Damn, yeah, something. I I seem to recall. We I remember watching it in seminary. I remember it having subtitles. Um, but it's about this woman. I don't know. She ends up in this uh, town that is very. Um, austere i think is the word that i want to use and in the the community that really prides themselves on uh doing things simple uh and without lavishness or ornamentation and and then she goes about uh, she's a cook and she prepares this very elaborate um feast um and invites kind of the whole town to come to it and they all are very grumpy about it <laughs> um, but they're going to go out of politeness i suppose um and then they find in this feast this kind of joy um and happiness and it's this um i seem to remember it being a very long movie <laughs> um but we talked about it in connection with communion 
uh, and the extravagant grace that is known to us through communion uh, is, is known to this community through Babette is her name, through Babette's, uh, through Babette's feast. But, and, and Sunday is a communion Sunday. Um, yeah. Yeah, and and certainly some foreshadowing of um, and and we we borrow this language from the Old Testament when we talk about the heavenly feast which we're about to partake in and that sort of thing. And so, uh, yeah, there's there's parallels there that are uh, helpful and will probably be drawn out over the course of the sermon um, as we take communion together as a family of faith. So, yeah, and we all get like. And we talk about the land, the land flowing in milk and honey. There's several times where this, this rich food, this well-aged wine, this land flowing with milk and honey, uh, is a metaphor in some ways for the grace of God that is available to us, uh, that is made known with us, sustains us as we go. But, yeah. And then, of course, the, the line 25.8, then the Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces, all faces, and the disgrace of his people he will take away from all the earth, uh, leads us into the Revelation passage where we hear echoes of that, right? And we move from this proto-apocalyptic literature to Revelation, which uh, biblical scholars consider apocalyptic literature, where we have a vision of a totally remade world right a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven the first earth have passed away and then we have this holy city but then we get into this language that is just so comforting in the context of um of loss in the context of yeah uh first god's presence with us the home of god is among mortals he will dwell with them as our god they will be his people god will be with him he will wipe every tear from their eye. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more for the first things have passed away. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, there's, um, there's this strong sense, you know, when I read this or when I hear it, this expresses this desire of God to dwell with people, right? To come and to meet and to be with people, right? That uh, the new city <laughs> descends from heaven and is established here. Like it could be established at the corner of, you know, Burlington and 7th, <laughs> you know, or wherever people live, right? Um, that it's, um, the indwelling is, is coming. Yeah. Yeah, and it's going to be pretty sweet when it happens. <laughs> Making all things new. These words are trustworthy. I like the sort of the rapid fire. And the one who was seated at the throne said, see, I'm making all things new. Also, he said, write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. Then he said, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and end. To the thirsty, I will give water as a gift from the spring of the water of life, which, of course, evokes Jesus' words the Samaritan woman at the well in the gospel of John. And uh, yeah, so there's, there's all these flowing parallels or strings that are connecting Isaiah and revelation and the gospels and um, all ultimately to remind us that 
God is with us uh, in the midst of the suffering and God promises us um, well, to, to wipe the tears from our, our faces, right? Seems that way. I don't know. What do you think? You think it'll preach? I think it'll preach. I think it's preached before. Yeah, it probably has. Is there anything new to be said about it? That's the question. Does there need to be anything new to be said about it? I could teach a preaching class. Just ask questions like that all the time. <laughs> uh, don't don't be leaving us for seminary now that you think you're a hotshot preaching professor, David. Like, uh, you don't need that. <laughs> that part didn't make sense. I could do it. Do you think it'll preach, though? I do think it'll preach. I think uh, some connections to uh, communion. I think connecting us to our past and the loved ones that we've lost, which connects us to our present, which connects us to this beautifully described future that God promises for us. I think, I think it's all there. I think the raw material is there. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of mining it and digging it out and refining it. And yeah. You can, you can do it. If anybody can do it, you can do it. So what's, what's going on at first press, Greg? Goodness sakes, there's a lot going on. So we are, uh, we've had to abandon our, our worship service in the park because of the cold and Nebraska weather that Damon was celebrating at the beginning of our Monday check-in. Uh, and so we've got our 8.30 worship service in the sanctuary. We're calling that an informal worship service. It basically mirrors what we were doing in the park. Uh, it runs about 45 minutes, a little bit less singing, a uh, little bit less formality. Uh, that runs from 8.30 to 9.15. We have our Christian Ed Hour from 9.15 to 10.15 with lots of great options for adults and children and youth and all of the above. Um, and then we have uh, our 10.30 traditional worship service. Uh, we're blessed that uh, we're back to having singing in our sanctuary. We're still requiring masks and, and trying to observe some distancing, but we've got singing, which also means our choirs are back. The Chancel Choir joined us uh, in the sanctuary for the first time on Sunday in a long time. And they're going to be back this Sunday, November 7th. So that's exciting as well. What's uh, what's going on in the world of adult ed? Adult, <laughs> adult ed. Uh, so Heirs Parent continues to meet on Sunday mornings. Um, uh, we had a forum this past Sunday. Um, I, had, I don't think that we have lined up one for this coming Sunday. I had somebody lined up, but I think that kind of fell through. Um, but sometime soon, uh, we're going to start a uh, an Advent uh, forum series. So uh, it's going to be related to Advent and art and spirituality. Uh, it's going to be a, a three-part series, I believe, uh, led by Lindsay Kluber. So uh, folks can be on the lookout for more Information in terms of that uh, is coming up. So, and we do still have our, there's Tuesday noon Bible study that folks can join in person or via Zoom. There's a Wednesday uh, book club that tends to read some, they're picking out a new book right now. They tend to uh, do kind of the more sort of academic approach to faith topics. Um 
So I haven't heard officially what they're going to be taking a look at next, but that, that's joinable as well. And uh, we are, uh, I have 25 pages left to read of Poem uh, by Marilyn Robinson. And uh, we're having a conversations related to that. It's, a, it's kind of a, it's a retelling of the prodigal son story. Um, and I think contains elements also of uh, Jacob and Esau and talks about, you know, forgiveness and uh, fate and uh, destinations and predestinations and um, yeah, ponders all of these sort of things. Um, so we've got recordings of conversations we've had related to that that are up on the, our YouTube pages. Our 44 subscribers will already know about the existence of those things. Um, so we're going to have a, a conversation this week and I think then a wrap-up conversation next week. So. Awesome. That sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> we also, uh, every year our church uh, decorates for uh, Advent and Christmas. Uh, we call it the Hanging of the Greens. Uh, we've historically done that on a Saturday, but we're going to try something new this year. We're going to do Hanging of the Greens after a Sunday worship service, the Sunday before Advent begins. So that would be on Sunday, is it November the 21st? Yes. Uh, and so we're going to invite folks to stay and help us decorate the church. There will be some pre-work done with staging of materials and whatnot. And so we'll be ready to go. Uh, we'll end worship, maybe even end worship a little early that day uh, and incorporate the Hanging the Greens as part of our worship and our, our service. Oh, uh, you like how I did that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there was a real confluence of events there. Uh, worship service. Yes, indeed. <laughs> I'm very proud of myself for that one. Uh, so uh, if, if you, in fact, you're, uh, you're able to make it to church on uh, Sunday, November 21st, we will uh, give you a warning and a heads up, but invite you to stay for a few extra minutes afterwards and help us get our church sanctuary and building decorated for the Advent and Christmas season. So that's, that's an exciting new thing that we're going to try out. There will probably even be refreshments there. Uh, I don't know but it seems appropriate. Yeah, I think probably. Um, in, you know, last month when we started making plans, we weren't really sure what our COVID-related policies were going to be. Um, but, um, but I think, uh, you know, since we were able to serve that funeral lunch, uh, it seems like we'll be able to provide something. So. Or take-home refreshments or something. Bottom line is it's going to be a joyful time of fellowship and fun and decorating and uh, a perfect way to end the worship service. <laughs> way to, a way to let our service continue. Oh, even better. Do you, did you remember learning in seminary the, the word liturgy is, is the work of the people? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We don't talk about that as often as we probably should, but... This will be a yeah. perfect example of liturgy. Because who wants to talk about work? <laughs> hey, why don't you all come to church Sunday and do work? Mm, boy, that sounds fun. <laughs> Isn't that what you and I do every week? Well, yeah, but <laughs> we get paid. 
<laughs> That's just, I'm just saying, you don't see that as a sales pitch in a lot of places. Right? Hey, man, come and, uh, you know, and do work. Come do the work of the people. Yeah. And that sounds like fun. I mean, sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is good. Yeah. Explanation, I suppose. I think that's all we got for now. That's it. Yeah. Oh, wow. oh stewardship. Forgot about that. Uh, so we we had a three week focus on stewardship. Uh, we sent out letters. Uh, we sent out emails. Uh, we've asked people to send in their pledges to the church so that we can build our budget for 2022. If you're listening and you have not yet sent in your pledge, we would ask you to please do that so that we can indeed faithfully build that budget for 2022. We thank you for those of you who have already done that. Uh, we thank you for your generous and faithful support of this church and hope we can continue that into 2022. So um, if you need info on how to fill out a pledge card, we have a digital one or a paper one. We can get either of those to you. Just reach out to the church office and we can get you set up for that. Sounds good. All right, should I close this with a word of prayer? Yes, please. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we read these words written so long ago, first in Isaiah, more than 2,500 years ago, and ponder what they might mean for us today. In your holy word, God, you paint a picture of a place that seems pretty special. We thank you for uh, giving us images that can be in our heads when we're thinking about those that we love and who we've lost, knowing that they're in a place like that, God, a place with bountiful feasts, a place where every tear is wiped from every eye and there's no more death and sadness and pain, but instead just a joyful life lived basking in your glorious presence. We thank you that for Christians Death is, is not the end, but the beginning of a new phase of life in God. And so this week, as we prepare for our All Saints Day worship service, God, we ask that you accompany us in the preparation. Move your spirit among us and touch our minds and our hearts so we know the right things to say, things that ultimately are faithful and things that glorify you and remind us of the hope we have as resurrection people. We ask all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. With all those things said and done, until next time, toodaloo.